Welcome to Vital Life Connection with Oren Rudolph. Discovering in Christ to love the life we live and learning how to live a life of love. I've got a very special guest here uh, with me. And with me here is Tammy Thrasher Mitchell. And I'm going to be, you know, speaking to her today. And let me just say that Tammy and me go way back. Uh, In fact, uh, Tammy has helped uh, us settle in a few of our homes here in Longview, Texas. But we'll talk about that a little later. What I want to do is introduce you to Tammy. She has some amazing stories and we're going to get right into it. But before we do that, I'd like her to introduce herself and just uh, maybe uh, tell you where she's from, you know, uh, what she does, etc. And so welcome, Tammy, to the show and uh, so good to have you here. Thank you, Oren. I'm thrilled, excited to be here. It's a real honor. Um, and yes, as you said, we go back a few years, That's right. going on a couple of decades even, actually. It's hard that is to true. <laughs> wow. Time flies. Uh, yeah, so I... Um, my, my life is really, like I tell people, my business is real estate and my passion is people. So mm-hmm. I have the, the distinct honor of working with people in real estate. My focus these days is really on the investing in real estate mm-hmm. and helping people create residual wealth um, and, and transactional uh, versus transformational real estate. Right. So I, I, for years, I operated as a, as a real estate agent and, an, and a standalone investor. And then through time, I really saw the power of the investing and helping other people become more transformational mm-hmm. investors and, and helping build my portfolio and my relationships. Um, right. Speaking of relationships, what I've really found that I have a knack for is connecting with people and building some really powerful relationships. Wow. And yeah. I, I speak a lot on the power of relational capital mm-hmm. and and turning your relationships into exponential opportunities mm-hmm. and and then I've also, I'm also now a published author and working on another couple of books. That's right, and uh, so and we're going to get into a lot of that. This yeah. really sounds exciting. Some of the things that you're doing. Uh, let me ask you. Uh, so, did you grow up in this area in Longview, Texas, or in East Texas, or did you? Because you don't definitely don't sound like you got an East Texas accent. Neither do you. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> right. I actually, I'm an army brat. Okay. Um, so I'm always grateful for all those who serve and protect um, yes. uh, our, our country, our great country. And I was born in Berlin, Germany, mm-hmm. raised around the country. My family, their families are from Texas. So mm-hmm. we moved back here when I was in grade school. And then I've been in and out of Texas through those years. I've uh, lived in Denmark as an exchange student. Mm-hmm. I, wow. I lived in uh, Utah for a while. I lived in San Francisco Bay Area, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. been back in Texas and all over different parts of Texas. So East Texas is kind of where my roots are and it's, it's, it's been home for me for a while again and most likely I will, I, I'm a little nomadic um, mm-hmm. and I, and Anybody who knows me or my family knows we have sort of a travel bug. Yes. And so I Because you've passed that on, haven't you? You've passed I, this whole travel thing on to your daughter, haven't I you? I legitimately have, <laughs> yes. And, and my parents probably introduced it to me. Right. And, and it's a, now becoming a, a multi-generational thing. And my son wow. has a flavor for it as well. So yeah, my daughter, she um, she's traveled all over the world. Yeah. She lived in Australia for a year. And now she's in France for her second year. Wow. And... And so, yes, so I have lived, uh, lived a lot of places. And right now, even with my business, I travel extensively. So 
East Texas is home, mm-hmm. um, but my, I feel like my cell phone, my computer, those are, those are almost, they, they decide where home is for the day. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. Wow. So you had mentioned uh, earlier that you had actually authored a book, and I'm sure we'll speak a little bit about that uh, throughout the day. So, so you've authored a book. You, now, you, didn't all, you weren't always in speaking. If I understand that uh, just me knowing you and speaking to you, you, you kind of are a self-confessed introvert, aren't you? Oh, very much an introvert. Uh, I grew, I, I was definitely the wallflower growing up. I would much rather have been seen than heard mm-hmm. and and didn't have the, um, especially in public, like my parents, my family would say that, you know, I, I had no problem speaking my mind at home, right. like many of us do. You know, when we're in our most comfortable quarters, we, we can be ourselves and say right. things, but sometimes when we're outside of our safe space, um, and, and what I found was I could go do things, but my energy was drained, and I didn't really understand that mm-hmm. as, a, as a young person, that yes, my, I had great friends who did a wonderful job of keeping me involved in life. And mm-hmm. I went and traveled and lived in Denmark, traveled all over Europe at 17 by myself. Wow. Um, but I, well, I lived with family, but I, I spent uh, six weeks traveling wow. all over Europe alone. And at 17, life before cell phones and internet and stuff, it's a little, it's a little scary like when you look back on it, but it was a great adventure and right. really was a catalyst in my life. But I, I was very much, um, I need, the difference between introvert and extrovert that a lot of people don't understand is that it truly is how you regenerate your energy. Mm. And so my regeneration of energy is alone. Right. I can go, uh, I call it my showman self. Mm-hmm. I show up at events, I connect with people, I speak at a lot of events. Um, as a matter of fact, when you and I, um, early in our relationship, we were in BNI together. Right. And through my years of BNI, I did a lot of speaking. I was usually one of the education leaders mm-hmm. teaching and speaking at the front of the room or on the leadership panel. So I've, uh, I've been speaking in some capacity, whether it be through work, training, um, in the real estate business. I've been a leader within the firms that I worked for. So speaking was never something I thought a lot about, I just did it. Right. Uh, but what what, I, what a lot of people are surprised to know is that I can go be that person out there in front of everybody, but what I really need afterwards is my alone time to recharge and regenerate. Mm. So introvert doesn't necessarily mean shy. Correct, yes. And so, I, and I used to be both. I used right. to be shy and introvert. And actually the book, Resilience uh, is the name of the book. Uh-huh. I chose, and, and we all have a lot of resilience yes. stories. We all have a lot of setbacks in yes. life. And uh, it's, it's not the setbacks, it's the comebacks that it's, count. Mm, it's what mm. we do, how we get up, how we recover from those. And, and when I was 17 living in Denmark, being very much the shy introvert, I had a wonderful friend who's, whose parents spent a lot of time with me. They were, their entire family spoke fluent English and they loved to have me over as a guest. And there were always things going on and people there, but my, my friend's father kind of called me out for being back. You know, like, mm. why, why are you always on the sidelines? Why are you always in the back of the room? Why are you always quiet? Why aren't you engaging in the conversation? And, and I said, I don't really have anything to say. I'm just, I was very much an observer right. and I was very uncomfortable speaking my own thoughts and my own mind and, and very uncomfortable with the difference of an opinion. And mm-hmm. I just didn't have that confidence. And I, and I was, uh, I just, I just wanted to be accepted 
without making any waves, mm, right? You know, because mm. we all want to be loved, right? right, right. We all want to feel cared about and loved. And sometimes we think that being by, to be loved, we have to be compliant. Mm. And that's not true. I mean, one of the no. greatest gifts I ever learned was the power of agreeing to disagree and still loving each other. Yes. And, yeah. and, and, but really, you know, owning your truths and knowing your truths and, and knowing who you are inside and, and believing and trusting those beliefs. It doesn't mean you have to stay rigid in them. We mm. can continue to learn and be exposed to ideas that change our thoughts. Once upon a time, I thought sushi sounded awful. Now I could eat it six days a week. There we go. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. So, I mean, but, but my, my friend's father, um, Mr. Gatigold, he taught me um, that nobody really cared if I sat on the sidelines, that I was the one missing out. Wow. And I was the one cheating other people of growth and knowledge and wisdom and experiences by not sharing my mm. truths and not sharing my perspective. And, and that he said, you know, you can do whatever you want, but, it, but on your headstone, do you want it to just say, you know, Tammy was here, or do you want to make a statement like Tammy experienced life? You know, wow, Tammy yeah. showed up, and people care that Tammy showed up, mm. and and so he taught me that it was very important to step up and to show up, step out, and own and engage my mm. energy and my presence with people, and and to just believe in it. And there is no right or wrong when you're showing up with your truth and with love. Right, right. I mean, you. You know, you're mentioning that headstone, and I mean, really, that's what this podcast is all about. It's about the stories we write in our lives, and you can be just a side note, or you could be that uh, the a true story that could really impact other people if you show up. I think a lot of times people miss out on being able to share that story with others and their story and help others because they so they don't have the confidence or they don't feel that they have the ability to do that, and that is you know, one of the things I want to say to my, my viewers is you have a story and your story will impact somebody or help somebody. Don't see your story as less than or insignificant because I think uh, that's the biggest problem is we feel our stories won't impact others and, and they do. And your stories, and I've heard many of your stories, you have ha have a lot of good stories. But before we get into those, so you weren't always a speaker, as I said. You weren't. Right. In fact, when I got to know you, you were in real estate. Yeah. I mean, you 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 sold us one of our first homes here in Longview, yeah. Texas. That's how we really got to meet. We were yeah. looking, I think, and then we got into the B and I and yeah. so on. But I think it was we came across. We had heard there was this great real estate agent <laughs> in town, Tammy Mitchell, uh, Thrasher Mitchell, and and so we got a hold of you and and you sold us our first home. But so. That's obviously, you don't have to go, you can go as far back as you want to, but so you were in the whole real estate game. When you, you were in California at one stage doing that, if yes, I'm that's correctly, correct. yes. Yes, over 20 years ago, I got into real estate. And um, so 20 years ago, I lost my dad to suicide. Mm. And I was a single parent with a little girl and I had a day job, corporate America, making great money. Mm. However, I was traveling extensively all over the country, sometimes in other parts of the world, and I didn't have control of my life. I didn't mm -hmm. have control of my time. Mm -hmm. and, and so it didn't seem to matter to me, especially after I lost my dad, it didn't matter what money could buy me. Right. You know, the income wasn't worth the sacrifices anymore. And I had already been playing in the real estate space as an investor for a little while, and I became really good friends with my real estate agent, mm -hmm. and she said, Tammy, you should really consider becoming 
a realtor, I think you'd do a great job. And I, I kind of was unsure, but eventually decided to get my own license. And I continued to work in the investor space and became a licensed agent, very quickly got involved in leadership. And I think that was a natural progression because when I was with the big six accounting firms, I did a lot of speaking and leading and co coaching and training mm. and I helped develop one of our retention programs, which was a, a mentoring program to help develop our new employees because anybody who owns a business knows that uh, retaining, replacing people is the most expensive part mm -hmm. of human resources. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, we're, we're, I could see the big picture. I could see some of the disconnects going on with our leadership and we had some ego problems and we had some communication problems and we had some people didn't feel like anybody cared about a path to helping the new employee get to a management position. Mm -hmm. And so I worked with my partners and developed um, a, 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 basically a mentoring program to develop our staff develop, and to develop our current managers to be better managers. Right, right. And it wasn't, to me, it was just, honestly, my dad introduced me to Jim Rohn's Zig Ziglar content. Mm -hmm. And so part of it was common sense to me, part of it was my own life experiences, and part of it was that kind of material, that thinking, and right. thinking grow rich material that, yes. that I just, and, and I, I mean, I don't know if it's true or not, a lot of people always felt like just as a woman, the nurturing skills, I was the oldest, I am the oldest of six kids, so nurturing and parenting and guiding and mentoring was sort of part of my natural mm. life. Mm. And, and then it started coming out in the business world, and people started identifying these strengths that I had that I didn't even realize were strengths because to me they were normal. Yes, yes. And, and that's where it's so true about you know sharing your stories because you have no idea the significance of your stories mm -hmm. and the ripples, the ripples become waves. And mm -hmm. what I found was some of those, to, even today, here it is 25 years later since I was in some of those moments, um, I, I still have conversations with people who talk about the significance of something I did 25 years ago. Yeah, wow. you know. So yeah, so I, I, I shifted to real estate for my own life control. And then I decided, uh, and I loved, I, I, I loved, I never have been a salesperson. Mm. That, is, that is one thing I was sort of anti becoming a realtor because I thought I am not a salesperson. I am an influencer, a coach, a mentor, a negotiator, a consultant, but I am not a salesperson. <laughs> and what I found was that was the best thing about my skill sets is I wasn't a salesperson, that all I cared about was bringing value right. and helping people make very informed, competent mm. decisions and that, that would better their life, for their family, their finances. Um, and and help them create a path for their future. And mm. I loved that. I right. loved giving to people in that capacity. Which in a sense, you know, and I, you know, it's, it's funny that you said that because I think so many people say, well, I don't want to get into this or that because I'm not a salesperson, but life is about sales. It You're is. selling yourself all the time. I think what people should really say is, I'm not a uh, olive, uh, uh, the, the old, not, I wouldn't want to say car salesman, but what's that fish oil salesman? I'm not that, that type of salesman, selling stuff with no value. Right. Um, but you, if you believe in what you have and, and you're trying to give people value, yes, you're selling them, but it's not that old fish, cod liver oil type salesperson. Well, I'm selling to serve. Mm, yes. 
Yes. And there is a difference. You're right. That the, the, the carpetbaggers who went through towns and sold people just to collect money and dash out of town without getting caught. Yeah. Um, you, you, especially in today's world, you can't be that salesperson no. because your reputation... Well, you won't last long. You, you could won't. be it for a few minutes, but you, you ain't lasting long. People are wise on you. That's yes. right. That's, well, and social media will rat you out. Exactly. And, and there's nowhere to really hide anymore. Exactly. So you recognizing your value, your integrity, um, being able to solve people's problems and serve mm -hmm. other people because truthfully... You know, one of the things I, I found in, in being in real estate sales was the language I spoke every day in that industry, you only spoke during one transaction every three to 10 years. Right. And that language changed all the time because mm -hmm. of regulations and new forms and new opportunities. And so, so a lot of people who are, con who are consumers in the real estate market, and if they don't live it as a career, they're not experts, but right. I was, I was an expert, yes. right? And so I, I decided to, to teach people that I was just like their dentist, their CPA, mm. their, you know, whoever their advisors are in their life that they respected and valued, right. that that's what I was for them in the real estate space. Yes, yes, yes. And I was their expert, I was their value, and I was never gonna let them make a decision that was gonna harm them or, or be detrimental to their, what their living conditions were, what their financial situation was. I was gonna help them find the best vendors, the best loans, the, mm. you know, and answer their questions to help them make the best decision for them for not just today, but yes. what's your three year, five year, 10 year plan. And when people buy real estate, what they don't understand is they need to also understand what's their exit. Mm. And I was always very concerned when anybody bought something, okay, that's fine, this is lovely for you today, but if I can't help you resell this in 10 years, is it really the best decision? Even though right. it's the easy decision, it's it's in my budget, it's it fits all the criteria that I my, my minimal criteria, but my question is like, but 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 will it serve you in ten years from now when we need mm. to, to Well that would happen in two thousand eight and nine with the crash. There was people were buying things that they couldn't sell within ten or twelve years. That's right. You know, and now they're suddenly stuck with something and they've lost their money and lost their home and all that, yes, which was yes, terrible. Yes. Uh, absolutely. So you were, I mean, from the moment that the last time that we spoke, uh, you were happily humming along with real estate in the sense of being a sales, um, I mean, the not agent. sales, yeah, an yeah. agent, selling real estate. And then, you know, we kind of lost, sure. lost track. And then I finally come back to you. I'm hearing things on social media, <laughs> on Facebook, and I'm, yeah. but suddenly you, this jet setter, you are... <laughs> You're, you're speaking in conferences. You're doing something totally different to in, uh, what you were doing. In fact, some words came out of your mouth like passive income, passive uh, real estate. Is that the yeah, word you were using? Yeah, passive investment, yeah. residual. Very different to what I knew you were doing, right. which then obviously piqued my, my attention. And we're going to get into that with Tammy on some of those things. We also, what, I, what I, I'm going to get into as well is, is that our stories shape us. Yes. Uh, who we are as people. Um, I'm sure that the suicide of your father had an imp a huge impact and, a sh and has put certain things in your life. Uh, I know that uh, some things happened last year that has shaped you and changed perspectives and changed the way you think because we could be moving along and then something comes <laughs> boom into our lives that can change a lot of our 
you know, the way that we're living, the way that we're thinking, the way that we're doing things. Obviously, the base principles stay the same, but, uh, you know, circumstances can impact. And there's some circumstances that I know about you that you have gone through in your health. And then, of course, the passion change that has taken place over the last few years, because passion is very important. This is a book. It's called Resilience. And uh, it is called Turning Your Setback into a Comeback. And it's got seven Emmy winner. How does it say? Actually, that's Newey Scruggs actually wrote the foreword. Newey Scruggs is, uh, he's a seven times Emmy winner. Wow. His news journaling. um, And he's based out of DFW currently. And he's part of one of my mastermind groups. And this book's actually a compilation book with over 30 authors, including. Um, professional athletes from the NFL, um, Nick Bradley, a pro golfer and wow. coach. Um, there, there are some real estate people. There are some network marketing specialists. I mean, high wow. performing. Um, most of the people in this in this book are performing in the top one to five percent of their industry space. Wow. Turning your setback into a comeback is the main theme of this yeah. book. Tell me a little bit about that. What does it mean to turn a setback into a comeback? What is, what is the whole premise about that? like we discussed a little bit yesterday that we all have setbacks Mm -hmm. we all do and it's whether or not we choose to get up and come back Mm -hmm. and and so these stories are um they're a piece they're a tiny window into people's lives of some Mm -hmm. of their most challenging moments or moments where they learned the most by growing through a tough set of circumstances and 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 in my participation with this book we had a lot of mastermind calls and and I have the pleasure of being in a mastermind group where many of the authors have come together in that the meeting space and we talk a lot about um, business Mm -hmm. but we also talk about the impact of life on our business Mm. and and our resilience our perseverance and I think that one of the things today that a lot of people are challenged by is coping skills. People of all ages are challenged by coping skills because we live in a world of social media, mass news, headlines everywhere where everything, um, you know, on the news world, everything is horrible and tragic and and the sky is falling, right? And we don't like that. So so we go to social media where we see everybody's life is peaches and cream and they never have a bad day. The sun is always shining. Right. And, and they live this perfect, pleasant feel life. Right. And, and not everybody, including myself, I don't share all of the tragedy and all the bad because I try to be positive and uplifting. And it's not because I don't have it. It's because I've always had the perspective. I don't really want to, and I want to be a Debbie Downer. Mm. And, and, so, so, and I've tried to be really cognizant of that lately where I've been more vulnerable and I've shared more painful things um, such as, uh, about five weeks ago, I was sitting in a hospital room with my mom, mm-hmm. and and I spent the last forty eight hours of her life sitting by her side, and I shared something that normally I wouldn't share. I don't normally post the you know prayers for this set of circumstances, even though I very much believe in the power of prayer. I tend to be the type because I'm an introvert, because I'm private in that regard, that I might directly reach out to friends and say, mm. can you pray with me or for me and keep me in your thoughts and prayers. And so I actually posted on social media this very 
very heartfelt, you know, sitting here with my mom in the final hours of her life. And, and it was very painful, very hard to sit there and watch somebody you love and you, 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 you selfishly, it's very selfish, you want to keep them here. Mm. You wanna, you, I wanted to fix her pain and her ailments, but I also wanted to have one more conversation, mm. you know? Uh, but you're, you're always going to want to have one more conversation. Right. right. Um, and so, you know, so I, I think sharing our pains and sharing the setbacks in our life and realizing that they touch other people's lives. And, and sh- I, you know, we, we joke about it on TV. There's kids shows that say sharing is caring. Hmm. But it's true. <laughs> it is. It's so true. It's one of the most simplest truths there is. Mm. Sharing is caring, and sharing can be painful to share. Uh, sharing can feel vulnerable. It can mm. feel egocentric, you know? Mm. And so for me, sometimes I felt like I didn't share things because I tried to function from a place of humility. Right. And I felt like, how egotistical of me <laughs> to, to share. But the truth was, the more I started sharing and the more I started being more vulnerable with people, the more significant my relationships became mm. with a lot of people. Um, this this book has incredible stories of very significant, successful people who will share, who will share some painful moments, and who will point out like things are not happening to us. Right. They are happening for us. Mm. They are happening for us to find our true strengths, find mm. our true passions. Because, the, and I was really thinking about this this morning, when, when things happen in our lives, there's always choices. Mm. We always have choices. And sometimes making that easy choice seems like, oh, that's the easiest choice I'm gonna make. Mm. And today it might be, might be, but truthfully, I think that we cannot dig into our true belief system, our true strength, our true superpowers by making the easy choice. Mm -hmm. I think that for us to be significant and powerful, we have to really reflect and really dig and go, what's the best choice, not for today and tomorrow, but what's the best choice for my lifetime? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes making those easy choices cause us more pain, more heartache, and more problems through the mm. long haul. And they make harder lives. Whereas if we make yeah. the tougher choice today, it really makes our life easier. And, and, and I, I, I share this example with my children frequently. Mm. There's a plate of cookies. Mm. It's really easy for me to walk in and eat those cookies. Yeah. It, it's, it actually takes more self-control to not eat the whole plate of cookies, right? But Great. I'm a girl of moderation. I don't think we should deny ourselves no. pleasures. So I'm gonna have a cookie. But if I eat three or five cookies, what's the harder part that comes next? Mm. I've got to work out. And if every day I come in and eat three or five cookies, I have to work out more and more and more. Whereas if I just have a moderate workout and have a a cookie Mm. and have some self-discipline, I have an easier, not just an easier physical workout, because that that working out is time, Mm. you know, and the more cookies I eat, the more I need to work out. And if I'm not keeping up with my workout, because working out's a lot harder than eating cookies, takes takes way more time yes, yes. but uh but but over time that that exponentially grows correct and so i try really hard to go what's what's the cho- there's a there's a difference between what feels good what 
what is easy, what is hard, and what is what is my long-term goal. But you mm -hmm. have to know where am I going. You have to have a vision of what really matters to you. You have to be thinking of, we all yeah. have a legacy. Yes. And the truth is we don't all think about our legacy every day and we should think about it more. We should think about it because we all have one. Is it good? Is it great? Is it amazing? And right. it doesn't have to affect a million people like Mother Teresa, mm -hmm. right? But it's going to at least affect the people in your most inner circle yes. and it matters too. Yes. So whether you're affecting three lives, 25 lives, or 5,000 lives or a million lives, it doesn't matter. Right. You still need to be your most excellent self and you still need to be willing to grow through your failures your challenges, your mm -hmm. obstacles. You still need to make the best decisions for the greatest growth. You need to recognize that when things are happening for you, there's a lesson to be learned. Yes. And I think we go through those challenges more often if we don't choose to learn mm. the lesson. Mm -hmm. And so now saying all that, I have definitely had my shares of setbacks. And sometimes right. I sit there and go, dear Heavenly Father, what did I do wrong? <laughs> <laughs> I love what you're saying about the whole, uh, you know, I, I, I believe in the whole saying, choose your pain. And that's exactly what you're talking about. You can have pain at the beginning or pain at the end. The problem is depending on where you choose your pain, choose it at the beginning because the pain at the end is always going to be more long lasting and a little painful. Yes, it's painful to not eat those cookies sometimes. I want to eat those cookies or not exercise or whatever the thing is that you're not doing at the beginning could be painful or are doing could be painful. Um, for instance, exercise can be painful, yes. but in the long run, it removes the pain at the end. Yes. You don't exercise at the beginning, a heart attack at 45 right. uh, is a lot more painful. So what you're saying, there is so much truth bundled into that. So this book's called Setbacks, uh, or should I say, resilience. Uh, resilience, turning your setback into comeback. And as you just alluded to, you've probably had, I mean, no, I can't believe it. I, I don't think, that Tammy has ever had any setbacks. I mean, she doesn't look like somebody who would ever have any setbacks, right? I mean, just like uh, you viewers out there, I'm sure you've never had any setbacks in your lives either, or I've never had any setbacks. And we know that that is not true. Uh, setbacks are part of life. Setbacks are part of our entire existence. In fact, uh, life is an adventure. And really the only thing that we have in life that we have the ability, and Tammy had mentioned that, is choice, uh, our choices to how we go through life. Uh, you know, I shared on my podcast a few uh, weeks ago, I shared about, you know, going the wrong way. And my choice was still choosing to drive that wrong way. I was distracted, but it took an extra 20 minutes of, of my trip. Choices sometimes can take 20 minutes of our trip or make our trip a little longer to get to where we want to go. That's right. um, and we've all done that, right? Yeah. We've all experienced where we've made the wrong choices or we've made good choices. Right. So you... I hope you heard my my sarcasm when I said Tammy doesn't have any <laughs> you know setbacks. I'm uh, knowing you, Tammy, and knowing life, and knowing myself. I know that you probably had many setbacks, but you're sitting here, which means you didn't just write in that book for the sake of writing words. There's obviously a principle to there's a comeback to every setback. Thank you for listening to Vital Life Connection with Oren Rudolph. For more information on other available teaching, please visit our website at orenrudolph.com and follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash orenrudolph.